Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, my name is Erica Ash, and I play Regina in Miss Me This Christmas. Miss Me This Christmas is about a couple, Regina and Franklin, who were married on Christmas Day and are getting a divorce. It's over. On Christmas Day. I'm going to kill Christmas. Whenever you have, like, a great relationship with the cast off the camera. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna automatically have a great relationship on camera, and I think that that's what we have here. I think you should come stay with me. As the Chesterson? My favorite was Erica. She is the most amazing leading lady ever. She is regal. She is drop dead gorgeous. Bam! She's like an effortless, not even trying, just standing there. Chiseled face, perfect skin, amazing body. I love her. The sharks are gonna eat me alive. You'll survive. You know why? So I'll be your captain. Just to work with her and get paid to do it and have fun and do what we love, I mean, can't ask for anything else. Give me that. Every single scene we do together is hilarious. God! Are you done? Now I am done! Laughing all day long, whether the cameras are turned on or they're turned off. <laughs> Her type of um, entertainment that she does in front of the camera, it, it never stops. I'm just gonna body roll out of here. <laughs> you know, I think I, I think I, I think I, you know, cause a few giggles. I just like to laugh. <laughs> People are miserable. When they're sad, you're gonna pay for it. But when we're happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> And we're back again with yet another solo stocking stuffer. And this one is a, it's a something. Uh, you know, figure try something different instead of just your little 30-second trailer. Why not get to know the cast a little bit? Hear how they interacted. Uh, this is 2017's Miss Me This Christmas. It is something new. It is streaming on Netflix, so easy enough to find. And based on that little snippet I played at the beginning, it I knew it wasn't Hallmark, and I knew it wasn't Lifetime. wasn't sure what network it, air, it aired on. I guess I thought it was, might be own, but it seemed like it was something called One Way something. I don't know. Whatever network it was, I can tell you this much, they do not have, have or decide to spend Hallmark money. This movie was cheap. Uh, in kind of a great way, in kind of an adorable way, because, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't need a large budget for these kinds of stories, but when you're me and you're watching them very closely and you start to notice some of the cute ways they cut corners, it is pretty sweet. Example, um, 
and I'll get into the plot of the movie shortly, but there's a moment in this in this film where a character, uh, you know, our lead is, you heard her speak, her name is Erica Nash, character of Regina, and very attractive woman, and at one point she is dressed in a rather stylish uh, white kind of sheath dress that it's a very it's a one-shoulder dress and has her hair back with those bands that were popular in the 90s where they sort of look like little claw things that you put over your head and then you pull your hair out of your face and she's dressed like that okay you know fairly you know you see that and you don't forget that look two scenes later uh, her husband takes a framed photo off of his desk and looks at it longingly and guess what outfit his wife is wearing yes that same white dress and yes her hair is the exact same way so clearly all of that was done in one day and again you cut corners it's fine but couldn't they borrow a sweater or something just to change it up a bit uh my other favorite sign of this movie being made on the cheap a character um one of our characters is being wooed by a man and, you know, he sends her flowers, which is, sure, nice, lovely, kind of stalkery once you watch the movie, but sure. And then a uh, scene later, he sees her and he's like, oh, I have something for you. He is carrying a pot of poinsettias, like in the, and not like a fancy pot, like it's like in the kind of foil wrapped pot, which would be, okay, Christmassy and stuff, except a scene earlier, she was in a room where that exact pot of poinsettias, like, was part of the set. So you know, clearly whoever was doing the props was like, oh, we need some kind of gift here. What do we have around here? Oh, I know. Those poinsettias. Didn't we just use them? Nobody will notice. Well, they were wrong because I noticed. Man, I watch these movies closely. Miss Me This Christmas is a different type of story because it is not a, you know, falling in love for the first time. It is a, um, I'd love to say, I'm sure the movie wants me to say that it's about falling back in love, but really this is a movie about being very insecure in your relationship and so therefore letting it die, but then being very insecure and unhappy in yourself and messing up your life a little bit and then giving up and saying, okay, let's get back together. Uh, The story follows Regina, aka G, and Regina was, I guess, a singer. And her husband, who she's been married to for six years, is a record producer. And they were really happy when they lived in the city and in a tiny apartment. But then they got successful and rich, so they bought a big house. And now they never see each other. She is very jealous of him, just doesn't trust him, thinks he's constantly cheating on her. Which, honey, you know, there's there's a lot of issues in this movie between their relationship. But anyway, so... um, she just thinks he's having an affair or doesn't believe him that he's not so she demands a divorce he's like all right i guess we're getting a divorce and they're getting a divorce which is going to be finalized on christmas day um she regina kind of goes into a tailspin luckily she has a sassy best friend who is very rich who lives in a hotel called the chesterton which is going to become very important and um so she's in there for about two weeks when she meets by two weeks, I mean the movie takes place over about two weeks. And in those two weeks, she meets um, a neighbor who also lives in this hotel, who is also very wealthy and immediately falls in love with Regina. After about two and a half dates of some sort, they get engaged, because why not? Uh, meanwhile, Regina is still pining for her husband. He's still pining for her. But they keep doing that thing where whenever they go to see one another, they catch the other one 
in a moment out of context where it looks like they're being romantic with someone else. So, of course, uh, antagonism, antagonism, they can't be together, they can't be together until the last minute when they're together and they get back, you know, they get back together and that is Miss Me This Christmas. It's a strange one. Um, now, I said I picked it because it was was accessible and looked, you know, a little different. The other thing I'm absolutely going to say is I picked it because, as we know, uh, Hallmark and Lifetime, to a lesser extent, but still there, have a problem with diversity. And these are networks that cater to and employ white people. And uh, so when you see people of color headlining a Christmas movie, for me, that's kind of a late, let me give this a chance because I feel like we need to celebrate these movies more in a sense so that we get more variety. And this is most certainly a black movie. Uh, and that's a great thing. And it, it is proudly black, if you will. Like the characters acknowledge that and it's a big part of who they are, which it makes it interesting. It really does give you a little bit of difference for, I mean, I'm a very white person. So anytime I can, you know, kind of see a celebration of black culture in a genre that normally doesn't acknowledge it, I think that's kind of cool. Um, wish the movie was better, but I kind of love how cheap and kind of homemade it is. Um, there's, there's a lot to it that is very cheap and homemade. And again, in kind of a charming way. So let's let's dive into our tropes here. Number one, our lead in need of a lesson. And in this case, it's, you know, she doesn't quite fit any real mold. Regina, played by Erica Nash, who at first watching the movie, for the first like 20 minutes, I was like, oh, oh, everybody in this movie is a not good actor. Um, and when I say that, I what I really mean is, Nobody in this movie is that comfortable on camera, but it clicked for me. And I don't know if it was me or if it was just I wasn't in the kind of, um, would you call it, like space of the movie. But at a certain point, not that far into it, um, where she gets to really kind of cut loose, because I think part of it is the movie opens and she is that terrible trope of a nagging wife. Not normally our, our Hallmark heroine, by the way. Um, but it's very like just husband trying to tell her the, tell her honestly what he did, her not hearing it and just constantly um, being very judgmental, very judgmental to other women too, which is kind of not a glowing thing about this movie. But as a character, it was just one of those, ooh, I'm, I'm not really with you here. But... I think I think the actress found a way to make it work. Now, this is not good dialogue. This is not a good movie. This is a movie that is a lot of times you kind of sit back and you're like, did they mean that to be funny? Or did they think that's how people talk? But credit to Erica Nash, because she, she goes for it. She goes over the top. She is not very restrained. Um, but she also isn't just a complete caricature. Like, she is trying to sell the pain that her character is going through. So... I don't know. Again, this is we're deep into the home stretch of stocking stuffer season. Around this time, I usually get kind of punchy and my judgment gets called into question a lot. So did Erica Nash give like a really good performance or am I crazy? I don't know. But she does need to learn a lesson. She needs to learn to like, I don't know, trust her husband or decide that if she's not going to trust him, don't be in love with him. Like you either love someone and accept them and their mistakes and say this is what I need and I'm going to give you a chance to do that and if you are not then we're done but you know in this case she just is so it's one of those like I know people have trouble some people have drawn 
um, some issues with RuPaul's mantra of you can't, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? And I understand for some people they find that a little bit um, unfair, but in this case, I think it applies to this movie quite a bit. Anyway, number two is our setting, which here's another weird thing. In, in Okay, so in a weird way, this movie is sort of like the upside down of Hallmark. Aside from it being about black people, whereas Hallmark is almost always about white people, you have other like odd reversals. Uh, you know, Erica Nash is a very tall woman and like all, with the exception of her husband, all the other men are way shorter than her, but they're treated like genuine romantic interests, which is very interesting. You'd never see that in Hallmark. But more importantly, um, she very specifically says when her and her husband lived in the city in a tiny 600 square foot apartment, they were happy. And then they moved to the suburbs to a big house and now they're miserable. And guys, like, what the fuck? We don't get that in these movies. It's always the reverse. But no, in this case, it was like, no, city life was was what these people needed, which is just crazy. Um, but so we don't really get anything in the city. And they never say what city they're in. I assumed it was L.A. because everybody is always sweating in winter clothing. And music scene is in L.A., right, I think? I'm not, you're asking the wrong person. Uh but they never acknowledge where they actually are. <laughs> the other thing that we get here, we do sort of get a mic, kind of like um, uh, a couple of movies this year where we sort of have like a microcosm of a small town because the bulk of it, this movie is set in the Chesterton, which is a hotel or a post office. It kind of looks more like a post office, but they treat it like this luxury hotel that has no real luxury to it, but it's, um, described as like, oh, this is where we got married and this is where everybody goes for Christmas. It's decorated so nice. Like, kind of like a post office. Uh, if something of interest, though, um, is that this this movie is apparently part of it. it there is a sister film to it. Now, they don't call it a sequel. They call it like a sister film because I guess it's like supposed to take place at the same time. Uh, called You Can't Fight Christmas, which is a both aggressive and like challenging title that I hope I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it. Maybe I will watch it next year. Uh, but I really hope it ends like the final line is something like, Oh, I can fight Christmas. All right. I can kick its ass. And I realize you're thinking, Emily, surely this movie would be more clever than that. But honestly, that's about on par with the dialogue in miss me this Christmas. Uh, moving on. I would like to address our bland love interests, which is weird because we kind of get two of them. So, and, and again, like everything about this movie is, is doesn't quite line up with things, but it also doesn't quite line up with human behavior. So don't think it's just like, oh, this is just a movie. Like, no, guys, it's not. Uh, Franklin is our ultimate love interest because this is Regina's husband and it is the man she really loves. Um, he's very handsome. I don't know the actor's name. I don't know that I need to look it up because, I mean, he doesn't really make much of an impression other than being fairly tall and handsome. Rhetoric Williams is his name. And he's not bad, per se. Uh, if anything, you kind of feel bad for him because his wife is sort of not believing anything he says, which is just kind of sad for them. But he's just kind of there. Um, then the other love interest is... I'm going to I'm going to call him Ulysses, which is how I've always been taught to say that word. Other characters seem to not be able to pronounce his name, so at some points it's Ulysses and at other points it's like Ulysses 
or Ulysses, I don't know. Every character has a different way of saying its name. It's kind of awesome. Ulysses is the rich neighbor I mentioned earlier who is sort of a tech developer genius millionaire who lives in a hotel because he doesn't have roots, so he decides to live in a hotel. And now this actor is fine. He's 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 pretty cute. Uh, his name is Ellen Maldonado, and he's also kind of a filmmaker. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. This movie tries to make him a nerd, and obviously they do that by putting glasses on him because that's how we establish nerddom, but they also make him really creepy and like, it's almost cute because he's kind of cute, so he's just the neighbor, and suddenly Regina walks by and he's like, oh my god, oh my god, you're like the most beautiful woman I've ever, and he's about to throw up on her because she's so pretty, and she's really flattered, which I, I guess you'd be, um... But very quickly, like after that chance meeting where he doesn't, where he holds himself back from vomiting on her, he sends her flowers, which I don't know. I I know every woman is different. I would kind of be creeped out if I got flowers from a man who I met for five minutes the day before and all he could do was, was drool over the fact that I was tall and pretty. But I guess it's okay because then they do have like conversations and seem to like each other and he is a nice guy so naturally after two and a half dates and I think one kiss when they start having a conversation that starts to get weird he's like I I gotta do something and he gets down on one knee and proposes and she accepts and then they're engaged and that's weird now in fairness the movie does acknowledge that because right after that they're sitting there eating dinner and realizing Every conversation they have turns into a whole lot of questions because they don't know anything about each other. So, you know, spoiler alert, they don't get married. He ends up alone. Like, you think, oh, there's another single woman in the movie they can pair him off with. And wouldn't it be great because he's really rich. Regina's pretty rich. Her husband's pretty rich. So no matter what, she's going to be okay. There's, a like, a side character that's sort of put out there that you're like, oh, hey, get these two together because... I don't know, he's lonely and she keeps complaining about money. This would make sense, but that doesn't happen. So I don't know, he ends unhappy and it's kind of a, I won't say it's a loose plot point. It just made me feel a little bad after it had finally gotten me on his side, even though he was incredibly disturbing. Anyway, number four is the montage. Uh, We get a few. We get a, an opening, the opening credits are sort of done over um, like a photo album as Regina narrates things and tell us, tells us about her relationship with Franklin. Then we get a um, dating montage to a very jazzy Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And so in this montage, Franklin is like releasing a record and it happens to be the record of this very, very sexy Latina songstress who Regina was very jealous of and thought they were having an affair. Um, Meanwhile, within this montage, we have Regina painting pictures with Ulysses, because I guess that's what you do on dates. Um, But then we get the best kind of montage. Now, I'm sorry, not the best kind. The best kind of montage, as we all know, is a trying on clothes montage, followed closely by a makeover montage. But the bronze medal of montages on film is a montage that just recaps a movie with 
scenes that happened not that especially in this case it's like an hour 27 minute movie scenes that happen like five minutes before but it does them over music and puts like a foggy filter over it so that's my other favorite kind of montage and we get that um it's also done and it's killing me i'm trying to find this song because at the end of the movie regina who it's been established was a singer and is retired now um she's kind of forced into singing at a christmas party and she sings a song I have never heard that um, when my husband walked by, he, he kind of asked, did a teenager write those lyrics? And I, I laughed because I said, do you think anybody wrote lyrics to that song? It's like a song about having your heart broke on Christmas. It's really bad. Um, I mean, she could sing. That's great. But like, it's bad and i i'm trying to find it to play it at the end of this end of this episode i don't know if i'll succeed but as she's singing that we just see um clips of things happening in the movie that we just watched um i believe a line from the song i did write down what my favorite lyric which was without love christmas has no bling uh, moving on to number five, dead parents. Not as many. There are absolutely references to both of their parents being alive, but we do get our sassy sidekick, who I will have, I have a lot to say about, uh, her dad, who was the um, owner of a sneaker empire. He is dead, and he left her a lot of money in the company, so that's an important plot thread. And later, we have another side character named Thomas, who's a bellhop, who talks a lot about his dead mother, which is very important, which takes us right into the sassy sidekicks. And this movie, guys, whew. Um, part of why I watched this was also, I'd forgotten to mention this, um, that it co-starred a, a young actress named Eva Marcel. Marcel, Marseille. See, this is another thing. Marcel, M-A-R-C-I-L-L-E. Now, the name might not ring a bell to you, or it might if you know her as Eva the Diva, Eva Pigford. So uh, a couple of episodes ago, actually it was maybe the, I don't know, an episode or two ago, we talked, Jason and I talked a lot about America's Next Top Model. Eva Pigford, Eva Marcel, was the winner, season three winner of America's Next Top Model. And I watched that season obsessively. I wasn't rooting for her. I was rooting for Takara, who got eliminated too early. But um, Eva was like the underdog because she was short. She was under 5'7", which normally you wouldn't really be a supermodel. Um, but she won the season. Ended up having one of the bigger careers of America's Next Top Models. Uh, not so much in modeling, but I think more in acting and just kind of hosting and stuff like that. And in this movie, she plays Trish. And Trish is your, like, if you had to, I don't know, envision, summon, if you met a, a Janet in a good place and said, give me a sassy sidekick, she would probably give you Trish. Trish is rich. She is successful. She runs a her, the sneaker company she inherited. She's really cool. She parties a lot. She has uh, her hair is in braids that are, like, she's 5'7", which is short for a model, but tall for a human being. And her braids are probably 5'3". Like, her braids are taller than me. They go all the way down. Um, looks great the entire film. Beautiful woman and, like, wears clothes really well. And the thing is, like, she's an okay actress in this. Like, this movie is not well acted, but I thought she was okay. Um, she has fun with it. But here's where things get crazy. Guys, Trish is bisexual. And the movie is like, acknowledges it and is cool with that. Um, and this happened, it comes up twice. Once where after a night of partying, 
um, Trish and uh, Regina are talking and Trish is like, I don't know, I like having fun. Like being single is great. As a hot guy walks out of her bedroom and, and she looks at him, she's like, oh, the toothbrushes, you know, I have extra toothbrushes in the cabinet. And of course, Regina's all like blushing, like, oh my God, you. And then a minute later, a hot chick walks out of the bedroom and Eve is like, oh yeah, um, mouthwash is in is in the drawer. So you're like, yo, she had a threesome. That's pretty cool. Okay, that's that's new. And then later in the movie, when she's talking to Regina about being engaged, and, you know, Regina has been engaged with, like, nine different guys during her lifetime, and Trisha's like, you know, it's, you know, I, I would, I, what I wouldn't do to have a nice guy get down on one knee and ask me to marry him, or a woman. And you're like, what, what really? Wow. So good for this movie because you don't find that in a lot of the cozy cardigan world uh the other sassy sidekick we get um there's one that we think is going to be a sassy sidekick because she is uh decorating for christmas and she's clumsy and she like is like the hotel decorator i guess um she apparently i didn't get the character's name but she is the star of um you can't fight christmas so spinoff for her and then there is thomas the bellhop who is like 20 years old and he's a kid and he just keeps he talks too much like if he worked in a fancy hotel and talked to rich clientele that much management would probably fire him especially because he's not just like oh hey how you doing it's like hey wow you have a lot of money i didn't have a lot of money growing up must be nice to have a lot of money which is kind of uncomfortable like that would make me really uncomfortable if i was staying in this hotel and the bellhop was just constantly like looking at me and saying wow you're rich that must be nice um but he's he, he he'll come back in a moment. So we'll get back to him. Number seven is our evil boss or woman. I guess like uh, Franklin's client who I mentioned earlier, who kind of keeps trying to seduce him and keeps like kind of um, organizing things so that it looks like she's seducing him. She sort of qualifies. Then number eight is slapstick, of which we have a fair amount. Uh, there is, you kind of heard it in the trailer-ish thing I played at the beginning, where when Regina just sort of has a freak out with Franklin and just is accusing him of everything, and she's in his office as this is happening, so she's just, like, knocking over a pencil case, and she's banging on a stapler, and it's kind of funny. At first, I was like, ooh, she's going for it, and then I'm like, yeah, she's going for it, but she's acknowledging as she's going for it that she's a little ridiculous, so, again... Call the, if somebody watches the movie and tell me if I'm crazy or if it was kind of funny. Um, later, as the not sassy sidekick is decorating the Chesterton Hotel, Regina knocks her down on the ladder and she thinks she falls into the arms of a really hot dude. So you're like, oh, that's going to be a side story, but it's not. So I don't know if that happens in the sequel. Uh, number nine is our sage old person. Well, so here's the thing. No. Um, there is the hotel manager who you think is going to be Sage, but really doesn't end up doing much. However, Thomas, who is all of like 20 years old, um, does have a moment where he sits down with, I can't remember if it's Regina or Trish, and like spouts out all this wisdom and says, this is what my mother would say. I miss her. So you're like, oh, it's Sage old person by proxy, which is which is new. I'll take it. Number 10, Santa Claus. At one point, Thomas, because we can't get rid of him, uh, dresses up as Santa Claus. And it's just weird. Again, there's something um, 
just uncomfortable. It's just skinny Santa Clauses are weird. That's what it comes down to. But you also, I don't want to not mention throughout the movie, uh, there is uh, Trish's hotel is decorated for Christmas right down to this statue that's about four foot high of a Santa Claus. And he's wearing gold and he's wearing sandals. And the like the camera keeps getting, he's just sort of like always in the shot and he's got creepy hands and the hands are sometimes just like alone in the shot behind a character's head and it's very unsettling and I kind of want a horror movie about it. But so those are the 10. Moving on to the bonus rounds, public domain holiday songs, my God, they're everywhere. Um, a lot of very jazzy ones, a lot of like um, violin plucked versions of songs. So Jingle Bells, Got Rescue Merry Gentlemen, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, Nutcracker. And then one other thing I would throw out there which is every time we're in Franklin's office, he has a big flat screen TV on, on his wall. And he has the U-Log up. Now, I don't know if the U-Log is public domain. I would guess it is, but we could double check the tapes. But if, it, if he is, then that totally counts. Uh, cloying Child, no, because there are no children at all in this movie, which again, I'm kind of grateful for. No ice skating, nothing Canadian. Characters with a Christmas name. Franklin's assistant is named Holly. She has one scene. And you're kind of thinking like, oh, something's going to happen there. But nope, that's it. Uh, Christmas tree lighting. Yes, it is a Chesterfield tradition. So you better bet your ass we get a Christmas tree lighting. Uh, no official karaoke, but you do have a character bullying a woman into getting on stage and singing. So that kind of counts as karaoke. Uh, the inability to act with an empty coffee cup. Whew. We get it in spades. Many a coffee scene. Um, Eva Pigford is particularly bad at faking coffee. But 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 we get two other things that are great. One is we get the inability to act with fake alcohol. There's a lot of drinking in this movie. And at one point, Regina's at a bar and she's drinking like seven and seven, which is usually like a drink, like you fill a glass with it. But instead, the bartender basically takes like five pieces of ice and like spills something on it and gives it to her. So the liquid is about quarter of an inch from the bottom of the glass which is not seven and seven and she never of course drinks it like she just keeps picking it up and holding it but then so it just makes you wonder like this movie was clearly made on a budget could they not afford liquid because that's sad uh more importantly we get a scene where regina and ulysses are sharing ice cream and yes, obviously, they're not really eating it. They're just kind of poking it with a spoon and like moving it to their mouths and then talking so they don't ever have to actually eat it. Uh, but it has, what is my favorite line of the movie? Because it just kind of sums up a lot of how this movie accepts things happen. When, um, uh, you know, he, uh, what's his name? Ulysses. How do I forget that name? Uh, Ulysses is, you know, giving different compliments to Regina and kind of freaking her out by how much he's obsessed by her looks. Uh, he says to her, you're cute when you chew. Ice cream. Think about that for a minute, right? Because do you chew? I, I don't chew ice cream. Like, sure, if my ice cream has like crunchies in it, maybe I'll chew those, but nobody chews ice cream. So it's a really weird compliment to give. It's one of those, this movie's not written by a human being type thing. Uh, anyway, going to bed at 3 p.m., no, uh, we get a flip of that. We get, uh, uh, what's her name? So Regina waking up in the morning, like having gone to bed, but not gone to bed. And that's when Franklin comes home and it's perfectly light outside to where it's got to be like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. 
And she's like, you came, I can't believe you came home at the crack of dawn. You're like, honey, that's not dawn. That is not dawn. It's worse, I guess, that he came home at like noon, but still. Um, Sprinkle sound effect. Guys, I don't know how it took me five years of stocking stuffers to add or to notice the sprinkle sound effect. Because now that, now of course that I hear it, it's everywhere, but nowhere is it more there than Miss Me This Christmas. If you made a drinking game, now you could say like, oh, this whole list is a drinking game, right? Yes, but you know, that we know that's hard. Usually you would do it by like, you know, one thing at a time. If you took one item here and if you said, take a drink every time the glitter sprinkle sound effect, which I'll play right now so you hear it again. Yeah, that makes up about, I don't know, 87% of the sound in this movie. It is used everywhere, like multiple times in scenes. It is always the same. Um, It's used like when she's drinking coffee, when she's eating ice cream, when she's having a montage, when she's arguing, when she's happy. Every time, like I... I stopped keeping track of it because I got to 11 within five minutes of the movie. It is crazy how much they rely on it. Uh, And then the last thing is that careful balance of red and green, which I'm just going to say we do not get. We get a lot of color. We get a lot of style. We get a lot of sequins and acknowledgments of sequins and how sparkly they are. So I'm not really complaining about that. On to its rating on, on IMDb. And shockingly, it's not a high one. Out of 10, uh, out of 383 reviews, it has a 4.2 rating, which truthfully is fair. However, um, how many of these not much better movies did I cover this year that were like 6.8? For, I mean, as I say that, like even for a Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie, it's still not as very good. Like it's, it's, it's really not very good. It's made very cheaply, um, but it's entertaining in its own weird way. And not everybody thinks it's bad. Here is a review, or 10-star review from Calendra B on IMDb, who titles his or her review, Best Christmas Movie Ever. How can you argue with that? For some reason, um, IMDb flags this as having spoilers, but I don't know what those are. Here we go. This is hands down the best Christmas movie you'll ever be able to witness. From the direction to the actors, everything is perfectly on par. I even learned so much about myself and how to handle relationships in a mature way that I feel grateful to Mother Earth to have brought this movie in this very lovely universe. I'm crying of happiness. I'll show to all of my friends. So if you are friends with Calendra B., I imagine you have already seen this movie. But if you are not friends with Calendra, uh, should you watch Miss Me This Christmas? I'm going to kind of say what I've said about a lot of these movies this year. Maybe? This movie's really bad. It is made cheap. It is not overly well shot or written or acted. I think the actors have fun. Um, I think everybody is trying, which... I got to give credit to. Um, it is not going to, you know, this isn't a hidden gem, but it, but it is different. It is fresh. It is has you know faces you don't normally see, actors you don't normally see. There are. Um, it's a little bit raunchier than your average any cozy cardigan Christmas. We use dirty words occasionally. Sex is acknowledged. Bisexuality is acknowledged. That is something. 
all of these things are make it a little bit worth watching. Uh, it's very strange. Um, if you really like sprinkle sound effects, you will hear a lot of them in this movie. So I don't know. Maybe watch it. It's on Netflix. See what you think. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it does teach you things like, I don't know, don't flip out on your partner and accuse them of cheating if you, you know, really don't know that they did and decide whether you want to trust them or not. And hey, if you decide not to, don't worry, because if you're hot, you're going to get like 10 more engagement requests and everyone is going to give you the same ring, which by the way, they all had the same style of ring. And yes, they were very pretty rings, but a little weird that every man that apparently proposed to G had the same ring taste. Anyway, I could talk about this movie for way too long and I'm going to go away now. Merry Christmas, everyone. Guess I shouldn't even be saying that. Christmas used to be my favorite time of the year, but now not so much. So here's a song I love for someone I used to love. Christmas is here, and all the carolers sing. Snow falls, but I can feel the spirit Christmas brings. Without love, the tinsel's lost its bling. Without love, my heart just cannot sing not feeling very merry don't want the yuletide gay no trees no lights no songs to sing since you went away you said you'd miss me this christmas you said you'd miss me you're not here and it's just any other ordinary day. Santa, take away these blues, wrap them up and tie them with a bow, give them to the man who broke my heart just so. Cause without love, there's no to hold without love this Christmas leaves me cold not feeling very merry don't want the yuletide game no trees no lights no songs to sing since you went away you said you
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.